through 20. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I am afraid I may have labored over you in vain. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my conditions, though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of the blessing you felt? For I testify to you that if possible you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out, that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose. And not only when I am present with you, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. Thank you, Desra. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we thank you um, that you are that you are here with us. We we want to proclaim how great you are through song, and we we want to proclaim that uh, together as a church. God, I just want I just want people to understand how great you are today, and I pray that that they would see that in a new perspective through Galatians, through this book that you have for us that Paul gave to us. God, we love you, and we ask you for these things in your name. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Hey, wow, that was, you guys have been accustomed uh, to responding here. My name is Tim Porter. I'm one of the leaders here. So glad to have you. I think this is week 10 of uh, Church in a Barn. So welcome. If you've been around, you, uh, you might have seen some new chairs. You guys, check out these new chairs. They're not really new. They're new to us. Calvary Chapel gave us these. And a little bit of history about Outward as a church. We have never paid for a single chair in our entire existence. Okay, the, the church in Salem, when that was started, whatever, 13, 14 years ago, we had a bunch of chairs donated to us before we even had a building. Okay, so we knew God was with us. And then fast forward to this church plant, we had to rent chairs and we felt a little bit guilty because we thought, is God not with us? And then look at what happened. God showed up and he donated some chairs before we even have a building (laughs) to meet in in the fall. Uh, So this is a good thing. I hope you're comfortable. They they look comfortable. It might be a little harder to get bird poop off of and things, but we'll, we'll we'll figure that out. Listen, for those of you who haven't been with us, we're going through the book of Galatians. We're like, I don't know, 75% of the way through the book of Galatians. And I just want to give you the quick summary just so everybody's on the same page. The book of Galatians is a letter that Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote to the churches in Galatia. Okay? He had been to Galatia. He had preached the gospel to, to the people of Galatia. They received it. Their lives changed. They became Christians. It was amazing. Incredible things happened. 
So Paul left the church in the hands of a couple of Jewish, uh, not a couple, but in the hands of some Jewish leaders. They were preaching. They continued to preach the gospel. He took off and he went to plant some other churches. A few years later, he finds out that those Jewish leaders that he left the church in the hands of, they're jacking up the gospel. They're preaching, yes, you got to believe in Jesus. You, you must believe in Jesus to be saved. And you got to follow the rules. Yeah. Whatever. All right, I'll, I'll just keep going. Uh, they were preaching, you got to believe in Jesus and you got to keep the rules. Back in the day, back in the Galatian day, it was the Jewish rules. They wanted people to follow the Jewish law. There was a bunch of different laws that they, that they were telling them that they needed to follow in addition to believing in Jesus. One of them was uh, circumcision as an adult male. The, another one was uh, stop eating bacon. I'm not sure which of those is worse, but these are some of the rules that they were telling these people. You've got to follow the rules and you've got to believe in Jesus. That is another gospel. When you require people to follow the rules in addition to believing in Jesus, it's another gospel. And from the graphic, what do we know? There is no other gospel. There's just the one. Believe in Jesus, only Jesus. His death on the cross, faith in his death on the cross will forgive you of your sins. There's nothing else that's required of you to become a Christian. So we're going to pick this up in uh, chapter 4, verses 8 through 20. Desra just read that for us. But uh, let me give you a little summary before we start reading some verses and getting into, the, getting into the details. Paul has been pretty harsh with the Galatians. He's, he's called them foolish. He said they turned their back on Jesus. Like he's, he's swinging. He, he's criticizing them. And he's going to continue that in this passage. That we're about to read. He does what's kind of like a criticism sandwich. Are you guys familiar with a compliment sandwich? This is the opposite. Compliment sandwich is if you're a manager or an employer or something like that. And you have an employee and you need to, you need to criticize them about something. You need, to, you need to critique them. Let's say it's their appearance. So instead of just saying, hey, you look like a slob. You need to comb your hair. You need to tuck your shirt in or whatever. You say, hey, appreciate you being to work on time. You give them a compliment. That's really, that shows that you care. We appreciate that. If there's a small issue about your appearance, if you wouldn't mind combing your hair, tucking your shirt in, I'd appreciate that. But listen, really value your hard work here. Really, the organization couldn't, wouldn't be the same without you. You see how we, we tucked the criticism into a couple of compliments. We sandwich it in between a couple of compliments. Paul's doing the opposite. He's got a criticism. What are you turning back to? Why are you going back to the, the previous ways? And then he pays him a little compliment. By the way, when I was there, you were great to me, Galatians. You really took great care of me. What are you doing? What happened to your joy? Why are you following these Jewish leaders? They're taking you down the wrong path. Criticism, compliment, criticism. And then he offers a solution at the end. I don't want to spoil it, but... It's the gospel, the real gospel. That's, that's the solution. Here's the essence of this passage. If we invest our affections in the thing, things of this world, it's a scam. The gospel, though, is a gold mine. 
Let me say it a different way. If we try to prove our value through the things of this world, that's a scam. It doesn't work. But the gospel is a gold mine. Okay, let's unpack that as we go. We're going to start in verse 9, actually. There's a lot in this passage. I'm not going to hit everything. I think you'd kill me if I tried to. We'd be here all day. But I want to bring up verse 9. Actually, the second half of verse 9 is where we're going to start. He says, How can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? A couple things I want to draw out of this. How can you turn back? I want to talk about the Galatians, their attention. They're turning their attention. It was the gospel, now they're turning it to something else. And then I want to talk about the object of what their affection is or what their attention has been turned to, right? I want to talk about their attention and then what they're turning their attention to, the elementary principles of the world. Let's start start with the the attention. Did, Did you know that your attention is valuable? Did you did you know that? That's why we pay attention. Like we, we're paying our attention. It, there's value there. We only have a limited amount of it. Okay? You can't save it up. You either use it or you lose it. And and you I can prove this that your attention is valuable. When you pay attention to someone, what do you expect? You expect to be paid back, don't you? You you, you invest your attention in someone in a conversation and what happens when they're on their phone like "Uh uh-huh yeah yeah great great they're not paying attention you're paying attention to them they're not paying attention to you you end up being eh, maybe a little offended maybe a little devalued here's another example of being devalued in a conversation when you get yawned have you ever been yawned Brandon's trying to yawn me right now. Unbelievable. I just had a conversation just recently. I don't want to give too much detail because I don't want the person to know. It's not here. Nobody here. I'm having this conversation. Someone or or someone asks me, hey, Tim, tell me about your financial business. I'm a a financial advisor during the during the week. And so I'm I start explaining. I think, oh, this person's paying attention to me. So I start explaining my uh, my business, apparently my boring business. Well, you know, I work with people that accumulate assets in retirement. And I want to make sure that they're, you know, taken care of. And I'm sure it's very boring. And this person fires off the biggest yawn you have ever seen. Just in the middle of my explanation. And it took me back. Like, what in the world? That was insane. That was a huge, that's the biggest yawn I've ever seen. So we get interrupted. And I think maybe this was just a one-off. He must be really tired. So he says, well, I'm sorry, we got interrupted. What were you saying? And so I start up again. Well, you know, we invest in stocks and bonds and great portfolios, for, you know. And then another one <laughs> just does the yawn thing again. Unbelievable. You know, I, I try not to be petty, okay? I, I really do. I, do try, I try not to be offended about ridiculous thing, things, but I was offended. I was totally offended. I got in the car with, with Holly and I was like, did you see the yawn? I was completely yawned. I was completely devalued there. The, the conversation that I had, I ended up just stopping the conversation, just saying after the second yawn, like, and things like that, you know, and then, and then moved on since it was, I was incredibly boring. This is a, a tip. I've got a pro tip for you. 
if you're going to yawn in the middle of a conversation, any kind of an effort to cover it or something like that is a big deal. Just like, you know, that's all you have to do. Try not to make it the largest yawn ever. Okay, that's doesn't really have to do with Galatians. We're not really talking about yawns, but now you guys are like, oh, shoot, what if I yawn in the middle of this service? He's going to be super offended. I'm used to it now. It's not a big deal. Feel free. Yawn. Yawn away. Okay, we need to probably keep going here. This is a little ridiculous. Okay, companies know your attention is valuable, don't they? What does the news do? to try to keep your attention. Breaking news, the stock market is down, blah, 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 you know. More about that in just a minute. They're like, oh, they're trying to work you up and keep you tuned in so they can bottle your attention so they can sell it to the advertisers and make billions of dollars, right? How about Facebook and Instagram and Reddit and uh, whatever the other ones are, Snapchat and Twitter. They're really good at keeping our attention. They're also trying to keep your attention so they can bottle it up and they can sell it to advertisers and make billions of dollars. Doing a great job. They're making an awful lot of money. Here's what happens. When, when we spend enough attention on something, it grows. The value of that grows into affection. goes from attention to affection. In the case of Facebook and Instagram and all those things, they want you to like something. They want you to share something. They want to put things in your feed that you might be excited about so that you can like it because then... If we pay attention, I think we invest our affections. We get more energy, more, more um, effort and excitement over things that we're affectionate for, affectionate in, affectionate to, whatever. That's what's up with the Galatians here. They didn't just turn their attention to the elementary principles of the world. They, I think it's more than that. They turned their affections to the elementary principles of the world. So let's talk about, we talked about attention. Let's talk about what they were turning their attention to. The weak and worthless elementary principles of the world. What are those? It's a convoluted kind of a long explanation. Matt talked a little bit about it last week. Let's talk a little bit more about it. The principles of the world is trying to find an inordinate amount of value in things of this world apart from God. Another way to say this is to try to prove our worth and our value from things of this world apart from God. I read this book, or I'm reading this book with a couple that goes here. It's called Catching Foxes. And this guy, John Henderson, had this great uh, piece in this, in this section that we're reading. He says, because of our sinful nature, we are trying to promote ourselves apart from God. We do that through lusting and desiring things of the world that we think will do this for us. So he's using the word lust. Usually lust is an inordinate desire for a particular sin, but he's using lust to talk about all the things of the world. And he gives this pretty comprehensive list. Okay, just, just sit back for a second and listen to all these things on this list. And, and, and when you think about it, See if any of these would resonate with you. If you might try to find value in any of these things. Approval of others. Acceptance of others. Success. Money. Sex. Honor. Emotional pleasure. Entertainment. Marriage. Children. A good marriage. Good children. Good employment. Possessions. Health. Body image. Food. Drugs and alcohol. Personal holiness cleanliness, 
order, peace and quiet, comfort and ease, power, sleep. I mean, it's not if we struggle with these, right? Like how many of these do we look to for value? I circled like five or six of these. What do you do to try to prove yourself? Which ones of these are, are important to you? Back to Galatians for a second. There's this little funny thing that, that happened. Paul says, why are you turning back to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world? Like this is something that they had done before. Before Paul showed up originally, they were pagans and they worshiped idols. Okay, but what do we know now? They're not going back to idol worship and, and they're not going back to paganism. They're just looking to the rules to save themselves. They're looking for their own righteousness. Does Paul not get it? Does he think they're going back to paganism? Did he forget that they're just trying to follow the Jewish rules? No, what he, he's trying to imply something. It doesn't matter what you do, whether you want to become pagan and, and worship idols, whether you want to worship approval and acceptance and success and 50 other things, or whether you want to prove your righteousness by keeping the rules. It's all jacked up. It's all going to mess you up. It's not the gospel. The gospel is only Jesus only Jesus, anything else that you look to for your salvation, for your value, for your worth is not going to satisfy you. The Galatians look to their own righteous or their, their personal holiness to prove their value and their worth. I mentioned something a couple of weeks ago about why we might try to prove our value. John Henderson talked, to our, talked about our sinful nature. It's just in our bones, okay? This is just who we are. We try to prove our value apart from God. But sometimes our stories accentuate our uh, desire to prove our value. Let me give you two examples. One is maybe growing up, you had somebody in your life, somebody influential that didn't love you the way you thought you should be loved didn't value you the, the way you thought you should be valued, or, or maybe they actually abused you instead of valuing you and loving you. And so now as you're grown up, you're, you've got a hole where this value should have been from somebody influential. Oftentimes it's daddy. You've got this hole in your heart and you're trying to fill it. And so you're like, daddy didn't love me or this father figure didn't love me or whoever didn't love me. But, and, I, and I'm going to prove my value in these other things. Look at all these people that approve of me. Look at all these people that, that accept me. Look at the success I'm having in business. I'm going to prove I have value. I don't care about that person. I'm going to prove it to myself and everybody else by the things of the world. That's one reason that you might... You try to prove your value. How about another reason? How about you've got sin in your life? You've got maybe a, a, an egregious, obvious sin, a particular sin, or maybe a decade of sin or a lifetime of sin. This is something that I resonate with. I, I felt like I made a failure of my life. I had nothing to show for it, like nothing good from like age 16 to like 25. And so what did I do? What do we often do? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to prove that I'm not the, the dirty sinner that, that 
I think I am, that I, that I think defines me. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow the rules. I'm going to stop doing the bad stuff. I'm going to start doing the good stuff. I'm going to give generously. I'm going to serve faithfully. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show up to church. I'm going to help the homeless. I'm going to help my neighbors. I'm going to prove that I am righteous and I am not the sinner that I used to be. Do you see how that might work? You see how your story might dictate that you may be trying to prove your value apart from God more than you should? Proving our value through the things of this world is a scam. The gospel is a gold mine. Okay? We'll talk more about the gospel in a, in a few minutes. Back to Galatians. Verse 12. He feels, I feel like Paul's a little, he's being a little harsh. I forget which commentator I read this week. It was Luther or Stott or somebody. But they were alluding to this. It feels like Paul feels a little harsh. He wants to soften the blow. Here's so he's going to insert a little, a little compliment here. Verse 12, he says, Brothers, I entreat you, because I become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You didn't harm me. You were great. You did me no wrong. I, you know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. Like, what a nice thing to say. You received me as if I was Jesus. Again, he's trying to soften the blow here a little bit. Like, I feel like I've been kind of harsh. I want to tell them, you guys did great. You did wonderful. And then he gets right back into it. What then has become of your blessedness? I feel like he's saying... How'd that work out for you? You turn from the gospel to the elementary principles of the world. How did that work out for you? What then has become of your blessedness? The NIV says, what has become of your joy? You lost your joy. And in the beginning, in the beginning section uh, that we read earlier, it said, you, you're going to become a slave. Whose slaves you want to be once more? He said, what? How's that working out for you? You lost your joy and now you're being enslaved by the elementary principles of the world. Here's here's what's being alluded to. And John Henderson says this. When we have a lust for the things of the world, we will have a corresponding fear to the opposite. This This is what I mean. This is what Henderson says. If you crave approval, then I will by nature fear disapproval. If I long for financial security and wealth, then I will fear poverty or job loss or anything else that threatens my financial livelihood. Henderson says, when I long to protect myself above all things, I will fear almost everything except God. And what are we called to do? We're called to fear God over everything else. Proverbs says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's it's not like a terrified fear, but it's a respect. It's reverence for God. When we lust after the things of the world, we will fear not getting them. It controls us. It enslaves us. You're like, oh, I want this so bad. I want this approval. I want want the bigger uh, investment account. or I, I, I need this house or whatever. Oh, I... I'm devastated if I don't get it. Do you see how I might enslave you? This is a list. The worldly things are a list of good things. These are not bad things. Approval, acceptance, comfort, sleep. Are these bad things? 
No. It's only bad when, they, when you elevate these things into these good things, into God things. It's a little bit like debt. We're, we're kind of talking financial stuff. We're paying attention. We're investing our affection. This is a little bit like debt. Debt is actually, it was meant for good. In order to buy a home, what'd you have to do? You had to save an ungodly amount of money and pay cash for a house. Like how many people are able to do that these days? I'll just save up for a starter home, three, four hundred thousand bucks. Then I'll buy a house and, and I'll be in good shape. No, debt enabled us to get into the home and make payments on it, live in the home before we were able to, to have a chance to pay for it completely. It was a good thing. Debt was meant to serve us. But what happened? What happens to a lot of us? Oh, if a little bit is good, I'll borrow money for the house. That's, that's cool. I'm going to borrow money for the truck. I'll borrow money for the, the boat. I'll borrow money for vacation. All of a sudden, the debt is huge. And instead of debt serving us, what happens? We serve the debt every stinking month. You got to make payments on that. This is what's happening with the things of the world. Like approval is not a bad thing. Comfort's not a bad thing until it gets elevated to the thing, the thing that provides you value, the thing that completes you. Do you understand that? It's enslaving. The things of this world, the elementary principles of the world are a scam. The gospel is a gold mine. Okay? Let's keep... Uh, Let's keep reading. Verse 17 of our, of our section here. Before I read this, I gotta, I gotta say one more thing. If we can't pay attention to the things of this world, what do we, if we can't invest our affections of the things of this world, what do we pay attention to then? What should we focus on? Who? can we pay attention to so that we won't be enslaved? We can pay attention to and we can invest our affections in someone who is willing to be afflicted for us. It's confusing. I'm going to say it again. We can pay attention to, we can invest your affections in someone that is willing to suffer for you. That's how you know that your affections are in the right place. It's in someone who would be willing to suffer for you. And we've got two examples in this next section, okay, to look at. One good, one not so good. Now let's read verse 17. They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They is the Jewish leaders who are pushing the false gospel. They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you will make much of them. Does it sound like these Jewish leaders will suffer for the Galatian people, for the congregation? Does it sound like they're willing to be afflicted for their people, for the people that they're leading? Not at all. They actually are making much of the Galatian people so that they will make much of them in return. It is to their benefit that they're making uh, making much of them, that they're showing their affection to them. The, The Jewish leaders are worshiping the elementary principles of the law. The Jewish leaders want the approval. They want the acceptance. They want the success of the Galatian people. 
They want to be worshipped by the Galatian people. This still happens today. Pastors, ministry leaders, they will stand up in front or they were leading an organization so they will be worshipped. They do it so that they will get approval. They do it so that they will have success and achievement. It is the exact opposite of what they should be doing. Leaders should be leading for the value of the people that they're leading. And the way that you can prove that is that they're willing to suffer for them. A little bit of honesty. If a pastor is not honest and does not admit that they're up here to get a little approval, that they're up here to try to be accepted by people, that's a, that's a fraud, okay? That is an issue with all people, with all leaders. P- part of leading is, is wanting people to, to accept you, wanting the approval of others. That is an issue for me. We pray all the time, let this not be about me or Tim. Let this, by the way, I don't know if I introduced myself, I'm Tim, Tim Porter. I think I did, actually, this week. They don't usually do that. It's not about Tim. It's not about Brandon. It's not about Matt. It's not about Ryan. It's not about the band. This isn't about us. We, we pray that this would be about Jesus, that, that it would all be about Jesus, okay? And then we realize that sometimes it's not. It's about us. And so we, we have something to repent of. We have something to ask God's forgiveness of. We value authenticity and transparency at Outward. We want to start it from the stage. We want to be completely honest up here, and we want it to continue in the people. We want to have real, honest conversations, not fake stuff. I'm fine. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not struggling with anything. Let's get real. The, the light shines brightest in the darkness. We have to reveal that darkness to each other. This is important to us. Authenticity and transparency and being genuine. So that's one example of the wrong way to do it, looking for people's approval. What's the good example? What, what, what example do we have in the section of someone who is willing to be afflicted for the people that they're leading? Paul, that's right. Paul is a great example. He knows these people. He loves these people. He brought them the gospel. Their lives changed. The, he, he, he has a great relationship with them. And he is willing to sacrifice this relationship for them to make sure that they know the truth. He's having a tough conversation with these people, I would say. And he wants them to know, listen, you're going down the wrong path. I want you to know the errors of your ways, even if this costs us our relationship. This is a good leader. This is somebody that will sit down and say, listen, I know you. I love you. But I'm seeing the way you're living your life, and it's not, you're not following... You're not, not living in step with the gospel that we heard about in Galatians in chapter 2. You're not living in step with the gospel. You're, you're treating your spouse really crummy. You're, you're, you're spending your money all kinds of crazy ways. Like whatever the, whatever the awkward conversation is, that's what a good leader will do. Paul says uh, in the, and later in, that, in verse 19, My little children, which seems a little patronizing, but I think it was endearing back in the day. My little, oh, my little, you know, little guy, you know, whatever. 
my little children, for who I am again in the anguish of childbirth. He is tormented because the people that he loves are going the wrong direction. He's willing to sacrifice for them. But what is he getting at? What is the point of having those tough conversations? Is it so Paul would be grown in them, would be formed in them? No, that's what the Jewish leaders back in the day wanted. They wanted uh, the people to emulate who they were. No, Paul is not interested in that. Paul would be formed in them. The last part of that verse is, I'm in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, until Christ is built in you, until Christ is grown in you. This is the solution, okay? It's Christ formed in us. He is worthy of our affection. And here's why. Here's another big statement. I feel like I got too many of these. The affection of Christ will produce the affection for Christ. That makes sense? The affection of Christ will produce the affection for Christ. Do you recognize the order there? It has to be that way. It cannot be the, the affection for Christ will produce the affection of Christ. That's backwards. That's what, that's what the, the Jewish leaders are preaching here. There's this other part of the verse earlier in the section. I'm sorry, I'm jumping around. I skipped it. I'm coming back to it. It's in verse 9. It says, But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, that or rather means more importantly, but now that you have come to know God, or more importantly, you are known by God, that's important. We are known by God before we know God. He paid attention to us. He knew us before we were born. He showed his affection for us. And he was willing to be afflicted for us through death on the cross. Do you see that? God was there before we could ever return the favor. God set us apart, like it said, before we were born, like it said in chapter 3 of Galatians. He paid attention to us. He showed us his affection and he was afflicted to prove his affection for us. Christ is formed in us by paying attention to him. Now we pay attention to him. We pay. Our attention is valuable. We study the gospel. We want to spend time with people who love the gospel. We want to worship the gospel. We want to hear about his story and what he did for us on the cross. Trying to prove your value through the things of this world will only enslave you. And through faith in Jesus, we have immense value. Last point, I promise. Someone told me one time that the value of an asset is the price that, is, that someone is willing to pay for it. So if you look at your home, if you're fortunate enough to own a home, you want to know the value, what do we do? We go to Zillow. Zillow, we look at that little Zestimate to try to figure out what our home is worth. Is that the value of your home? No. Okay, well, I'll hire a realtor. I'll hire a good realtor. Those are hard to find. 
Hire a good realtor. They'll tell me. They'll know what the value of my home is worth. No. Okay, I'll pay for an appraisal. I'll pay 700 bucks or whatever it costs. And then they'll give me a piece of paper, you know. They'll do some research and they'll have the value of my home right there. Is that the value? It's not. The only way to know the value of a home is to put it on the market and see what someone is willing to pay for it. Isn't it? Do you struggle with knowing that your life has value? You don't need to anymore. The value of your life is the price that someone was willing to pay for it. Do you know what that price was? It was the greatest price ever paid of all time. It was the greatest thing ever offered. Jesus' life, there's nothing with more value than the Son of God and His life. Jesus wrote a check for your life and He paid for it with His blood. Through faith in Jesus, our lives have immense value. Through faith in Jesus, God shows His affection for us by allowing his son to be afflicted for us. He proves his affection for us. Worshiping and trying to find value in the things of this world will only enslave us. It's a scam. The gospel is a gold mine. We're going to skip communion today. We didn't we didn't grab uh, communion cups, so we're not going to go to communion right now, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk us through it. Let's, let's bow our heads and let's end there. We'll have the band come forward. Jesus, we, uh, we love you so much. We thank you so much that, that you paid attention to us, um, that you showed your affection for us and you proved it by offering your affliction by by suffering for us jesus we we love that so much we love that story we want to we want to repeat it we want to be reminded of it we want to pay attention to it we want to sing about it we want to talk to to our friends about this we, we want to do that. We want to see the affection that you had for us because we know that the affection of the Son will produce affection for the Son. God, I pray against looking to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world to prove our value. There's nothing there. It will only serve to disappoint us. It will only... It will only cost us our joy there may be some satisfaction that's short term but nothing long term i pray that we would understand that and that we would resist that and we would instead instead of paying attention to the world we we would pay attention to your death on the cross it's the only thing that matters we just we love it so much and i pray that we all would see that in a new light this morning we pray this in your great name